Section 10 of Mother Earth, Volume 1, Number 2, April 1906. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Mother Earth, Volume 1, Number 2, April 1906. Section 10. A Visit to Sing Sing by a moralist i was onoe the everlasting decency and respectability of my surroundings bored me on whichever side of me i looked i saw people doing the same things for the same reasons or for the same lack of reasons and these were uninteresting oh said i to myself these are the people of the ruts they that go that way because others have gone they are conforming but there must be some persons who do not conform where are they now you can understand why it was that my thoughts turned toward that monument of our civilization on the Hudson River, and why finally I made up my mind to visit it. I knew that neither my citizenship, nor yet my philosophic and human interest in the working of that great school, would avail to obtain me entrance there. So I sought out one of the politicians of my district, who at that time at least exercised his activities outside of the walls of the building, and I exchanged with him a five-dollar bill for an order to admit me i suppose i said to the attendant who did the honours of the place for me that these people who are guard alike and who affect the same tonsorial effect are those who have been unskilful in their nonconformity they are prisoners he replied i bit my lip and looked as smug as i remembered one should who as yet has the right of egress as well as ingress in an institution of that character at that moment my eyes fell on a face that seemed familiar to me, and as I studied it, I saw with surprise that I had come upon a man who had once been a schoolmate of mine. Now, I had always believed that if a person had done wrong, he would be conscious of it, and that if he were found out, he would at least try to appear penitent. But in this case, my theory did not seem to be working, for my former chum, whom I remembered as a quiet, unobtrusive fellow, met my startled glance with a twinkle of suppressed humour. I confess that such a blow to my theory filled me with indignation. I stepped toward him, all my moral superiority betraying itself in the self-satisfied smirk which fixed itself on my face, in accordance with the sense of duty which the Philistine feels so keenly in his relations with others. "'Why are you here?' I asked him. Eh, "'Are you not a little impertinent?' he asked. "'I do not inquire of you why you are here.' "'That is obvious, to say the least,' I answered loftily. "'Obvious from your pharisaical expression, perhaps,' he said good-naturedly. "'But never mind. We look at the matter from different points of view. To me it is a greater indiscretion to annoy a helpless prisoner with holier-than-thou questions than it would be to attend the charity ball in pyjamas.' but, of course, you do not see it in the same light. "'Pardon me if I annoyed you,' I said stiffly. "'Don't mention it,' he replied, with the humorous twinkle still playing in his eyes. "'And to prove that I bear no hard feelings, I will ask you some questions.' Naturally, I was embarrassed at such an exhibition of hardihood in one of his situation, but I said I would be pleased to answer him, to the best of my ability. "'It is some time since I was away from this retreat on a vacation,' he said with an easy assurance that was indescribably shocking to one of correct principles, and I would like to know if all the rascals have yet been put in prison. I pushed my insurance policy a little deeper into my pocket and replied with conviction, certainly not, 
but you must not forget that no man is guilty until he has been proven so. Ah, yes, he said, and that a man may pride himself on his honesty, on the secure ground that he has not yet reached the penitentiary. Yes, of course, you are right. But tell me, is it true, according to a rumour which has reached us in our seclusion, that these good Christians pro tem are considering the advisability of having a rat poison served to us in place of the delicious stale bread and flat water which now comprise our bill of fare? Oh, I answered vaguely, there are still reformers of all sorts in the world. Reformers, he cried, his face lighting up with a new interest. Ah, you mean those profound thinkers who seek to cure every disease of the social body by means of legislation. Yes, yes, tell me about them. Society still believes in them? Believes in them? I cried indignantly. Surely it does. Why, the great political parties are responding to the cry of the downtrodden masses, and— Oh, he said dreamily, they are still responding. What do you mean by still responding? I demanded curtly. Why, I remember that in my time, too, the people always responded. The party leaders would say to them that they were in a bad way and needed help. The people would cry out in joy to think their leaders had discovered this. Then the leaders would wink at each other and jump upon the platforms and explain to the people that what was needed was a new law of some sort. The people would weep for happiness at such wisdom and would beg their leaders to get together and make the law. And the law that the leaders would make when they got together was one that would put the people still more in their power. So that is still going on. I recognized that he was ironical, but I answered with a sneer. The people get what they deserve and what they wish. They have only to demand it through the ballot-box, you know. Ah, yes, he murmured with a grin. I had forgotten the ballot-box. Dear me, how could I have forgotten the ballot-box? Providentially, the keeper came to notify me that my time was up, and I turned away. One more thing, cried the prisoner. Is it still the case that the American people enjoy their freedom best when they are enslaved in some way? You are outrageous, I exclaimed. The American people are not enslaved in any way. It is true they are restricted for their own good by those more capable of judging than they. That must always be the case. I don't know about must, he sighed, but I am sure it will always be the case as long as a man's idea of freedom is his ability to impose some slavish notion on his brother. Goodbye, I said with a recurrence to my smirk of pharisaical pity. I am sorry to see you here. Oh, don't be troubled on my account, he answered. On the whole, I am satisfied. Satisfied? Impossible, I cried. Why impossible? Consider that I shall never again be compelled to associate with the decent, honest folk. Oh, I have cause to be satisfied. I am here on a life sentence. End of section 10 Recording by Stephen Harvey